the gifted child. On the surface, it sounds like the highest compliment. You have gifts. You are special. You are not like the others. But has anyone ever asked gifted children how they felt being called that way? Is it praise or is it pressure? Hi, I'm Marguerite De Leon, and in this episode of I've Got an Opinion, Rappler's podcast on ordinary people speaking up on extraordinary issues, I talk to former gifted child, Miguel Angelo Francisco. What's it like to go through gifted child withdrawal? Let's find out. Hi, Miguel. Thank you for joining us this week. Welcome to I've Got an Opinion. Hello, Margie. Thank you for having me here. Okay, so it's really interesting that when I did this call out, there were actually more people who responded than expected. So I guess that means that there are actually more people who consider themselves gifted children than... Or who have been called gifted children, uh, yes. Yes, uh so... I guess it maybe says a lot about the label Narin, but we can get into that a little later. How would you define first a gifted child? Okay, for me, a gifted child is a child who demonstrates some skill or ability that whoever is judging them or observing them considers to be above average or beyond the norm. As I've mentioned when we were talking like earlier, uh, actually when I reached out to you about this podcast, I wasn't sure I would actually qualify as an actual gifted child because over the years I had been conditioned to think that the gifted child is basically, you know, those kids I see in milk commercials. Right. You have to have like a formal label or marketing spin to it before you can actually be considered a legit gifted child. But based on, you know, how I define it, if the person applying the label to a child sees the child as somewhat superior to that child's peers or just the average, superior to the, the average level of skill that children of that child's age would demonstrate, I would say that that's a gifted child. Okay, so you reached out to me because I was looking for someone who was called a gifted child. So how did you get labeled that way when you were younger? I'm actually not quite sure because, well, actually I am, but you know, I guess I'm, I'm speaking from who I am now, from where I'm sitting now and looking back. But, you know, to be honest, I can actually say why. <laughs> when I was a kid, I did exceptionally well in school. Actually, before entering college, I thought that was like a super big deal. And it might sound like bragging, but believe me, it's not. <laughs> when I was a kid, I excelled academically. I won all of the awards in school, basically academic-related. Every quarter of every year, I was the top student in my section. That's actually how I managed to study in a private school. We didn't really have much money. I grew up poor. And so my only shot at staying there in that private school was consistently being the first honors or the valedictorian or the top student every year. And I managed to pull that off with minimal pressure. And so my parents would see how, I, how well I did at school and they would call me gifted child. But that's not the end of it. Even the administrators at school, even my own classmates, and even people I would meet at various youth conferences, because I was studying in a Catholic school, so we would have these you know, youth leader conference things, and I would be sent there as the representative. And the people who would meet me would say, Oi, gifted child tong si Mikael. Gifted child tong si Miko. And even you know, the, the priests and the nuns who would interact with me would call me that. So from basically from prep school to all the way up to high school when I graduated, they were they considered me a gifted child. And I sort of 
in my early years, I considered myself a gifted child, but as we'll probably get into in this conversation, that kind of changed in a big way. Okay, so sige, when you were a kid first, how did you feel about being called that way? Did you like it? Or did you feel pressured by it? Or how did you react to such a label? When I was very young, I loved it. I felt so special. I felt like I was the little prince of the world. Like I could do anything. And you know, when I was in grade one, grade two, grade three, all the way up to like grade five, lessons were easy for me. And I barely studied. I really, I didn't even, you know, I just took notes. I, I would read a bit. And I just felt okay. This is this is this is this is easy shit. I could totally wing this, and so I I felt like the most special kid in the world. That changed in grade six when I started becoming more grade conscious, like consciously trying to get a perfect score, consciously trying to be like the top of the class. Especially when it just you know started sinking in that my continued education in this in this school depended on me continuing to excel. Part of the reason why that happened was because I actually applied for two scholarships in grade five, entering grade six. One of the exams I took was for Philippine Science High School, okay. and I was waitlisted. Oh. Uh, so I, yeah, so I didn't really fail. I mean, I was waitlisted. I just didn't do as well as the others, and that was my first taste of not being at the top. Right. And I yeah, I would later find out in college when I met people who were from the same batch as me. That if I had followed up my application, I would have gotten in. Or there was a high chance that I would have gotten in because the person who got into that batch, the person had the score that was lower than mine. Okay. So I felt like logically if I had followed up. But because of, it was actually shame. <laughs> I, 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 it was the first time I encountered the word waitlisted. And it was yeah. the first time I got waitlisted. And so I was so embarrassed that I didn't even bother following up. And the second exam that I applied, the second scholarship that I applied for was a full scholarship to Singapore. Mm. The rules of that scholarship, if I'm remembering this correctly, was that the top four would have like two years completely free, free lodging, free tuition, free everything, even the airplane tickets. Even in the, they even got a, like a stipend or an allowance. Mm. I made it to the top ten. Which, which means I was somewhere between 6 to 10, but that also meant that they could only pay for my tuition. They could not pay for my lodging. They could not pay for my life there. And so that was another slap in the face for me. Not only did I realize that I was not the only special person in the world, in my little world, I also realized that, hey, you're not that special. And if you don't do exceptionally well, you will suffer. Your life will suffer. Your dreams will suffer. You have to be excellent. Mm -hmm. And so that sort of like set the stage for me, realizing that maybe I'm not gifted, but I have to keep pretending or at least doing my best to convince people that I am. Right. So it seems like you went through a really tough phase emotionally, psychologically. How did your parents react to this? Did, did they even know that you were going through that kind of turmoil? No, I did not tell anyone. I wasn't well-liked as a kid. I think that's another part of it because, you know, I can't speak for how they felt about me. I used to think that they were just like envious of me because I was so good. But, you know, as we grow older, we grow a little bit wiser. We learn these life lessons and we, we sort of realized that maybe part of the problem was you and maybe not everyone else. And so 
I really don't know why I had trouble making friends back then. I mean, I could say some reasons, but I don't know the truth. But I couldn't tell anyone because I didn't want them to think na lang ako. And it would, or, or that I was being like falsely humble. I remember when I had a, a teacher, I think it was our, I think it was in grade six. That teacher, for some reason, didn't like me that much. I could, I could tell. <laughs> I could tell. Uh, I think she expected more from me or she saw through my facade. I don't know. But my, my facade of trying to pretend to be gifted. I don't know. But the point is, she overheard me and a classmate. Because that classmate was saying, uh, taas mo na naman sa exam, perfect score ka na naman. And I was like, hindi, ano, nahirapan ako, nag-aral, medyo, ang, nag-aral talaga ako dyan eh. And then in our class, that same day, I think she wasn't, I can't remember what subject she was teaching, but she was talking about a, a novel. She was discussing a story. And then she said, one of the things that we can learn from this story is that we should not practice false humility. Right. And she gave like an ice cold stare from where I was sitting. And I, I, I felt it down to my soul that, oh my God, my teacher's judging me. So I never talked about this. You think being labeled that way, like being kind of sort of praised all your childhood, affected like your EQ? Because you focus so much on your IQ na kind of na neglect yung emotional quotient mo. Yes. For starters, there were a lot of things that people my age used to do that I couldn't understand. I was like, why are you doing these shallow things? Why are you so into these? Uh, why do you idolize the people you idolize? Why do you like the things you like? Why don't you like the things I like? Although I never really told, you know, I never really told anyone those things outright. It kind of became a problem when I tried to bond with other people because I just couldn't get into the things they were into. And, you know, what quickly followed was people starting, you know, to, to label me mayabang, uh, to, to, to call. Like, I, I remember our guidance counselor, uh, this was in high school na, like, uh, skipping a few years. This was in high school na. I graduated valedictorian and our guidance counselor gave me a, a, a quick talk the day before our graduation. And she said, you know, you'll go far. And, you know, I, I also know that you're, you're you know, uh, I, I saw you grow up in this school. And I can tell you that, you know, your, some of your classmates had trouble relating to you. Me, you know, it's not entirely your fault, but don't let that get to you. But it did get to me. <laughs> like, knowing that I may have been making it difficult for other people to be friends with me. And I just really wanted to be accepted. I, I didn't want to be bullied, which I was. I didn't want to be judged, which I was. I didn't want people to excitedly celebrate whenever I would make a mistake in a test because it reached that point maybe not out of malice but you know you know how it is when people tend to like drama people tend to like shocking things sure. and when Francisco doesn't get a perfect score it's shocking <laughs> Sige, so how did you evolve from that from your state Sige, up to high school how did you evolve from that into who you are now <laughs> I got into UP. That's what yeah. happened. Okay. <laughs> like, if, uh, <laughs> if, if my inability to secure an all-expenses-paid slot in those two scholarships that I talked about earlier were my first tastes of you're not so special, UP was like a bucket of ice-cold water over me every single day for 
five years. I thought I was so good because I was the only one from my school who got into UP. A few of us took the exam, but you know, you know how it is with quota courses and you know, you couldn't even if you if you passed, if you if you didn't like make it to the make the cut, you wouldn't get in. I was the only one who got in like cleanly. Mm-hmm. And I was like being, you know, people were selling, by, by the time I graduated in high school, people generally liked me enough to elect me as a, as a student council president. So I was like, I was leaving high school with the sense that, hey, maybe I'm okay. Maybe I've finally found myself. And then I, I got into UP and I realized, nope. <laughs> in, while I was studying in UP, I would, I would, I would, actually not sometimes, a lot of times I'd feel stupid just listening to my professors like, they never taught us this in high school. I mean, am I supposed to know this? What course I'm sorry. I took up a computer science, but I eventually shifted out <laughs> because uh, I went through things in my second year. Like, I, I did pretty well in my first year. Not, not super, like, I was above average in first year. Second year, I really dropped the ball. I, I didn't attend my classes. I dropped some subjects. I... And you know, when you avoid math, when you don't attend your math classes, you will suffer. If you don't pay attention to your professor, if you miss even just one lesson and you're not that good at the subject, you will suffer. And that's exactly what I what happened to me. It was a it was a tough time when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to be, who I wanted to be, and I realized that computer science was not it. So I shifted to communication research, not because I thought that the subject was easier. And I would later find out that, hey, I just, I just left a course full of math and went into a course full of math. <laughs> but, but because, you know, when I was talking to, uh, I actually went to Vincent's Hall. Uh, there was, there was a stu- I think, Office of Student Affairs. They had this counseling thing where you, they would help you figure out the best course for you. Like for wayward souls like me. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you can talk to our officer of the day and, you know, you can figure out what? I wanted to get into creative writing okay. uh, and I made it to the interview. But when I said that my motivation was to write a best-selling novel and make a living out of it, I literally oh. got left out of the faculty office. Like, yeah. <laughs> like oh, this is not for you. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So when I, when I took that test at the, uh, officer, at the office and I, I found out that communication research would be a good fit for me, like market research, uh, studying market trends seemed like a lucrative career because y- you have to understand, but I grew up, you know, feeling that without money, I had to do one of two things. I had to have a lot of money or I had to be so excellent that I wouldn't have to pay for anything. And right. if I couldn't be excellent enough to not pay for anything, I had to have money. Right. So I, I chose, yeah, I chose a, a, a course that I thought would help me get to where I wanted to be. And I didn't fare much better. I, I, was, I was an average student at best. I was, I was that kid. I was kind of like that kid who would just, you know, sometimes say something really smart, but would most of the time say, uh, like, stay quiet. And if you look at his, his grades, they would be like just, you know, above passing. Mm. Because I was, I was just, I just wanted to get out of UP. Is basically, that was basically my mindset. Mm. Well, well, you shifted courses. So that means that you didn't graduate with the rest of your batch is that right yeah i was delayed by a year and a half okay so after that what happened did you get a job right away or did you uh, not i did mm-hmm. yes what? i did i even before graduation yeah i started applying for mm-hmm. jobs and 
I was hired to do something related to my course. At first, I excelled. I suppose that's how it is with people conditioned to think that they're gifted. Like, I put my everything into that job during the first year. And I was like always the model employee. Mm-hmm. Hearing that, hearing myself say that now makes me cringe. Because <laughs> even my, my, my opinion about work has changed. But yeah, for that for those first two years, I was like the golden child of my my batch of about I think eighty. We were eighty new employees, and I was like I was the top of everything mm. again. But again, I I started to slide. I, I I started to to question like what the fuck am I doing? This is not what I want to do. Mm. And so I I left that job after two and a half years. I went into I I went into another. job SEO mm-hmm. I was doing fairly well until they downsized and and they 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 cut the team in uh, by half I made the cut but I had to change job descriptions and I didn't like it right so I left again for a for what I thought was going to be a managerial position I was I was told by the last compa- company that I worked for that they were going to groom me to become like a manager type for four years I led a team For a variety of reasons, internal restructuring, a bunch of other things, that didn't happen. And so I quit. And now I'm just freelancing and I'm having a blast. So you are the editor-in-chief of Flip Science. So could you tell us a little more about that? Yeah. Um, after, actually, no. Uh, while I was still working uh, at that last company, I started writing Hmm, let me let me think about that timeline. No, I started actually writing in 2011. I I was I was writing pop culture reviews. I was writing comic book reviews. Actually, I applied for a position on Rappler uh, at Rappler for a lifestyle, uh, and I didn't get in. Which I you know I I it's it's not something I think about. But my test article did get published, so I have at least one article on Rappler. But I forgot. But I wrote an article about Green Arrow <laughs> for Rappler. Okay, happen. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, in 20 yeah, so 2011 I was writing pop culture reviews, movies, etc. 2013 I got hired to write geeky articles for GMA News Online. But since that was under the science and technology section, part of my job duties involved writing science and technology articles. And as a kid, I really liked science. I loved science. Part of my transition to adulthood And part of you know the whole gifted child thing was my my outright rejection of all things that made me look smart. So I I, I did my best to dis- distance myself from science for a few years. But I guess you know first love never dies to use a cliche. And so when I when I started writing about science, I realized hey I I actually I actually don't hate this. Actually I love it. I love it more than writing about Spider Man or. about movies. So starting in 2013, I was, you know, I was writing science articles and geek articles and I started slowly phasing myself out of movie movie reviews and stuff. I would only like write like the occasional movie review, but I would really like extensively cover science news and I loved it. But it reached a point in 2017 when I realized that there isn't a lot of science journalism or science writing here in the Philippines like And we don't have a dedicated website for science, kind of like Live Science or IFL Science or National Geographic or Science Daily. And I figured that it was time to change that. So my co-founder, now my wife and I, we uh, we set up FlipScience.ph, and our our intention was to establish a science website that would share uh, news, trivia, debunking articles, mythbusters. 
for Filipino readers. And, you know, nearly four years later, we've, we've amassed a small following, but we're not earning money from it because this was a, this was a spur of the moment idea that we just really wanted to, this has to exist. Mm. Uh, but what do we do about funding? Hell, we'll fund it ourselves. So up to now, that's just been our model. Our model is we have no business model, basically. Yeah. But it so that's flip like, science. But it sounds like you're having fun with it and it sounds like a really good project. So yes. speaking of that, do you think that who you are now and what you're busy with would have existed? Would things have been this way if you had not been called a gifted child back in the day? Do you think you would have still evolved into well, who you are now? You know, as much as I, I really suffered, and I don't, I, I want to make it clear to anyone listening that I don't blame anyone, the people who called me a gifted child. Like, on some days, I'd still feel like I let them down. Even up to now, I, I, feel, I feel like I, I let these people down. But, and I do not blame them. This is not on them. This is, this is entirely me and how I processed the label. Sorry, I just felt I need to, to clarify that. That said, I think I would not be where I am today if I were not called a gifted child. Because part of, I, I really think that to do what I am doing now, which I, I not but I don't think a lot of people would, would, would engage in this kind of thing. You, especially without funding, without without like what I do now is I, I I have I have multiple freelance jobs, and what I earn is basically what keeps the site going and the Facebook page and the podcast and all of those stuff. But it requires a certain level of confidence. It requires a certain level of belief that I can wing this because, as I mentioned in the in the in the years between me embracing the term gifted child and outright rejecting it, I had to fake it. Or at least I felt I had to fake it. I had to fake being that gifted person. And it was that confidence that I could wing this that led me to being confident enough to write about science, even though I don't have a journalism degree or a science degree. All I do now is I read and read and read. And I learn from what I've been reading. And I apply whatever I learn to my work so that I can help simplify or communicate science. And if I weren't confident, if I didn't build up that those, those tiny, you know, uh, building blocks of confidence that I gained because I was called a gifted child. I think I would just be, at least flip science would not exist. So let's talk now about the future. Do you currently, do you have kids or do you want to have kids? Do you have kids first off? No. Do you want to have them? <laughs> no, and I don't think I ever will. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't think I'll ever have kids. My mother is going to be so disappointed when she uh, listens to this. Okay, let's. If it's, if it's okay, can we get into that? Yeah. Why not? Does it have something to uh, do with how you grew up as a hashtag gifted child? <laughs> Partly because I'm a selfish bastard. I like my life now. I like how... how I, I, because I don't know if I'm, I'm selfish and selfless at the same time in some weird way. Because my thinking is this. I like my life right now. It, I, like my schedule is so flexible. I can, I can work a certain number of hours and stop and I'll have enough money. I'm fortunate enough to have enough money to, to put into savings to make sure that my wife and my, my, my mother and, and all of the people I care about are comfortable. And I don't have to think about, you know, the, the expenses of feeding a child, sending them to school, making sure that they grow up uh, with enough. And at the same time, I think the world is a terrible place right now. And I cannot, for the life of me think of bringing another human being into this like we have so much to fix before i can even consider 
bringing in another human to share in our collective joy and suffering. <laughs> Great answer. Paris again, let's, let's, let's do a hypothetical. If you had a child and you saw that that child was particularly special or as you would call it, was more adept at things compared to other, uh, other kids, would you openly call that child gifted? Would you tell it to their face? I don't think so. I, I, do, I do not think. In fact, I, yeah, I would avoid calling that child gifted if only because I know the emotion, the, the, the secret hidden emotional turmoil that that child will likely go through that that child will probably never talk about for fear that masabihan siyang mayabang or falsely humble or something. Uh, the word, the, the label gifted child comes with a tremendous amount of responsibility and expectations and I do not want my child, if I will ever have a child, to go through what I did. I think that, to be honest, I think I'm a bit fucked up, but I'm trying hard not to be. Like, I'm trying to be a functional human being and to do as little damage to the planet and to give as much good as I can to, to the world before I croak. Right. But that internal balance and this this everyday feeling of self-doubt that I still struggle with. Like, so there are some days when I, when I feel that, oh my God, I don't understand this physics news. Why am I even doing this? I'm not, I'm not smart. I'm not gifted. Why did I ever believe that I could do this? Ang yabang-yabang ko. I don't want my child to grow up as screwed up as me. Right. Conversely then, how would you raise someone to not be that way? Like what would you suggest would be the ideal way to raise a child to make sure that they don't have that kind of self-doubt, to have those kinds of issues? For starters, I would not project anything that I want in my life to the life of my child. I will not put my expectations of what I want to be or what I wish I could have been on my child. It is not my child's job to become the next Bill Gates or the next multi-billionaire or a super genius. I will, I will not expect my child to continue my dreams, so to speak. Second, I would be totally present in my child's life, not to the point that I would smother my child with, with uh, too much care and you know, uh, baby my child too much, but I would make it a point to know how my child is feeling, how my child is doing, what my child wants. But actually, it's, it's basic parenting. I would, I would try my best to be a good basic parent. <laughs> uh, third, if I see that my child is showing potential in a single area, I would, I would probably introduce activities related to that. But at the same time, I would ask my child in, a, in an appropriate way if my child wants to do that. If my child wants, if, I, if my child shows, shows talent in basketball, for example, but doesn't want it to be a career, just wants it to be his or her hobby, I would, you know, I suck at basketball, but I would try to play basketball with my child. <laughs> and I would, I would try to like figure out, do you, does my child want this as a career? And when I find out what my child is really interested in doing, you know, over the years, because kids are too young to, I, I believe that kids with their limited experience and exposure would gravitate towards certain interests, but would not be able to accurately determine what they really want in life. You know, as the child is growing up, I will continue to be a presence in, in their life and I would support them in whatever they do that doesn't harm them or harm other people. And, you know, probably the last thing is, and this is like way into the future, if my child ever settles for, you know, on a career and decides to shift midway, mm -hmm. I won't give them crap about it. Okay. 
how about our country's educators? Like, what would you suggest to them in an academic setting in terms of that? I know that this this time, especially, you know, in, in 2021, we're still not quite out of the COVID-19 pandemic yet. It's very difficult for everyone, especially for educators who have to work with limited funding, limited support, technical, you know, technical, technological limitations and difficulties. So it can be very hard to give as much as I know the educators would want to give to each and every child. But I really suggest working with the parents at home, especially now that we're socially distanced. Work with them at home, keep them updated on on, on their kids, and try to just facilitate a, a, a working a healthy relationship with the parents so that you can get to understand at least the the, the child better. Um, and it's I, I don't want I'm actually uncomfortable saying this a bit because I feel that I'm I'm being too demanding because I cannot know what it how what, how it feels like to be an educator in this in the Philippines and I know that it is difficult but you know to a realistic extent you know with with the knowledge that we're all suffering we're all in a situation that we don't like in a situation that's not ideal maybe just stretch your patience a little bit and the last thing would be because some, not all, some educators have this habit of, you know, when they see a child with potential or like a child who is like really excellent at a subject, they would focus on that child. They would use that child as an example. They would draw attention to that child. Oh, tignan nyo si, si Cruz. Tignan nyo si Lopez, laging perfect. Tignan nyo si Altamerano. Nakuha niya lahat ng items ito. Bakit kayo hindi nyo magawa to? Because I heard that a lot when I was a kid. Sorry, napakwento na naman. This was a story that was told to me by my classmate. And I don't know how to feel about this. This was in third year, third year high school. My classmate told me that the teacher, the coach of our the school basketball varsity team, gave a stern talking to, gave a stern lecture to our basketball team. Because they were doing a shit job at their academics. Like, their, their grades were failing. And so that teacher said, anong gusto niyong gawin natin? Ilagay natin si Francisco sa, sa varsity. And the room howled. Oh they laughed. Because I, you know, they, they called me gifted. But one of the things I was notoriously bad at was basketball. To the point that even my, my PE teachers would, would just know that uh, Francisco will not be able to make that basket. Kahit free throw, hindi ko magawa. Not bad. So sinabi ng teacher ko, and I wasn't there, pero yun nga, sinabi ng teacher ko, anong gusto niyo si Francisco ilagay natin sa varsity? And they all laughed. And when I heard that, I was equal parts parang, okay, gets ko. Ginamit niya akong example kasi gusto niyang tumaas yung grades itong mga taong to. But at the same time, teka, nilahit niya ako ah. Yeah. And again, at the same time, teka. So you're, you're widening the gap between me and my classmates na over the years, nahirapan na ako makipag-bond dito sa mga to. It took a lot of work to make them not bully me, to make them not take my lunch to make them not laugh at me, diba? to make them not single me out every PE. Tapos gagamitin mo example yung ganyan. Parang, so avoid that. Avoid singling out the, the people you think are special in your class for both positive and negative reasons. Remember that every child has their own strength and weakness. And as educators, siguro it would help us do our jobs better if we could identify those and find ways to highlight them or to at least supplement those skills so that everyone can learn better. Okay, that's great. So, we're actually down to our last question. And if you've listened to previous episodes, it's called our Beauty Queen question. So, 
Mikael, if you could send a message to all adults who've been called gifted children growing up, what would it be? Thank you for that wonderful question. <laughs> okay, today, okay. By the way, today Mexico won and everybody got mad. Anyway, oh. <laughs> yeah, I've been avoiding my Facebook feed. <laughs> so much anger. <laughs> anyway, a message to all the adults who have been called, like me, gifted children growing up. I understand your pain and I understand that you might not have been able to talk about it. And maybe you kept these things to yourself for so long. And maybe you're doing much better than I am now. Maybe you're, you're, you've reached the level of success that I wanted. Or maybe you're doing worse than I am now and you're listening to this hating yourself. And, and maybe the only reason why you listened to this episode is because you saw the title and said, hey, that's me. Does the person in this interview hate the label as much as I do? What I can say is this. What people used to call you when you were a kid, that does not define who you are now and that does not define who you will be. Do not let that label put you in a box. You are who you choose to be. You are what you choose to give to the world. And as long as you're choosing to do good, as long as you're choosing to make your existence matter, to make it meaningful, as long as you are consciously avoiding hurting other people, no one should give you shit for being gifted or for not being as gifted as they thought you were. Wow. Okay. Sa iyo na ang corona. Move over Mexico, move over Peru, even though Peru was really my bet. <laughs> okay, so ayun, thank you so much, Mikael. That was a great way to end this episode. And thank you so much. This is baggage that I've been carrying for so I many know. years. This feels like therapy. It does. So thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you too. And that, guys, is our show. If you would like to guest on I've Got an Opinion or want to submit an opinion piece to Rappler, just email opinion at rappler.com. I'm Marguerite DeLeon. Thank you for listening.